This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up and welcome to episode two of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Today in episode two, we're going to be talking all about what makes a low maintenance yard. So what can we do with your landscape to turn it into one of these low maintenance yards and how can we make your yard better so we can change your life for the positive? So a few things we're going to be talking about today are your mindset which we talked about in episode one as well, but I want to touch on it again because it's so important and it's something that's easily glossed over because we were talking about landscapes here, right? Your yard, what does your mindset have to do with it? So we're going to touch upon that. We're going to talk about healthy plants, makes sense. Uh, And we're going to be talking about healthy soil because healthy soil makes a healthy plant. We're going to be talking about how to put the right plant in the right place because that's very important and that causes a lot of problems as well. We're going to be talking about grouped plantings instead of isolated plantings, using annuals versus perennials, using plants that require low resources, using full coverage in your yard and what that means, as well as reducing lawn maintenance. And the last piece we're going to touch on is good transitions in your yards because usually at the borders of your plantings or whatever border it is in your yard, those are generally speaking the highest maintenance areas. So let's get right into it. Uh, Stepping back to the first thing here, mindset. Your mindset for your yard is really important. We just spent a whole episode talking about this in episode one. If you happen to miss it, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode one and learn about how important mindset is for your yard. And I even make the quantum leap to say that the right mindset with your yard can change your life. That's what this podcast really is all about, is how do we free up more time in our life, our busy lifestyle, so we can use that time for things that are valuable, whether that's spending more time with your family or your loved ones, or whether that's using that time to work toward your dreams and goals. But the most important thing is to not waste the extra time that we can earn by changing our landscape. It's very important because landscapes are beautiful. They can be rewarding spaces that are fun, that are inviting, that are just places to go relax or to de-stress. And that's what I want your yard to be. Generally speaking, most people's yards can be very relaxing places uh, to hear the birds, to listen to the breeze, and to just stop and enjoy things. But at the same time, a lot of those landscapes that we think about when we think about a a fun, relaxing place, try and think about um, maybe it's your yard or somebody else that you know, somebody that lives next door down the street. Try and think about a yard that's just a beautiful, relaxing place. You're kind of envious of it, maybe, or you're very happy about it if it's your own yard. Think about that place, and I can bet you that that place requires a decent amount of maintenance to take care of, because most landscapes right now, most people's yards, you go to an arboretum or wherever, most landscapes that are curated or designed 
they're pretty high maintenance places, whether they require certain timely inputs like mowing the lawn. If you skip, you know, a few days of cutting the grass in the middle of the growing season, it can make a big difference and you might get some angry knocks on your door. Or a planted space like a a garden, a, a, a peeling garden. Those places require a lot of work just to keep weed-free, healthy plants, and uh, properly maintained plants. What we're talking about here is transitioning spaces like that into what's still a beautiful place, that place that you desire to have or you're envious of, but make it in a way that doesn't require so much work. And this is very, very possible with proper design and proper thought and planning going into your landscape. So again, when we plan things properly, we can have the right type of landscape that is rewarding, that is helpful to de-stress or to relax or just to have fun in it, be a place to get away for a little bit, to have that space and do it in a way that frees up time of maintenance and work so you can use that time more valuably in whatever way you think in your life. So that's what the whole mindset episode was about in a nutshell, and I get into it much more deeply in episode one. So again, I recommend you go listen to it if you haven't already to really develop the right mindset to move forward in designing the right landscape because that's the really the driver to having the right type of landscape that doesn't just suck away all sorts of hours of your year just to maintain it and keep it appealing. So moving right along, uh, once we cover the the mindset piece, is healthy plants. Now this may seem a little odd, like of course you want healthy plants in your landscape, but most often, even if a plant looks healthy on the outside, it might not actually be a healthy plant. We want plants that thrive in our landscape, that they just feel comfortable where they are. They have everything they need right at their root tips, I guess. And and they can just grow without a lot of inputs and, and maintenance from you. And you don't have to keep an eye on them to make sure they have the right nutrient load or the right amount of water or the right amount of sunshine or whatever. So that's what I mean by healthy plants. There is a volumes and volumes of information that go into making healthy plants from different horticultural guides to scientific guides or whatever. But really what we're talking about is getting the the plants, what they need, when they need it. There's some obvious basics here. Uh, the most often you think of water or maybe even fertilizer for your plants in your landscape. And generally speaking, what you want to do here is is for whatever plant you have in your landscape, ideally this is before you plant it that you would do this, is to make sure you have the right resources already available for that plant when you need it. So think of water. Does it have the right amount of water at the right frequency? Sometimes different plants require different seasonal amounts of water. Do you have the right nutrient load? So here I'm talking about available nutrients in the soil already not necessarily fertilizer inputs. Generally speaking, we want to avoid the use of fertilizers because it creates an unhealthy ecosystem for your plant and the soil below your plant. So do we have the right nutrients in your soil? And there are tons of ways to figure this out. 
really intending this to kind of be a general overview episode. The in-depth episodes will come in the future when we're talking about all sorts of different stuff and getting super technical and nerdy for the people that want to get super technical and nerdy. Um, But for now, this is kind of a top-level overview. So does your soil have the right requirements? Generally speaking, if you have good, healthy, organic soil, you have the right soil for plants that thrive in good, healthy soil. Some plants actually thrive in very poor soils, whether that be a sandy soil or a clay soil or, or whatever, but low-nutrient soils. And so you figure out, okay, do I have the right plants? If I have low-nutrient soils in my yard, maybe I can keep that yard just the way it is and plant the right plants that can already thrive in that situation. And again, like I just briefly mentioned, maybe you have a sandy soil. So you plant plants that work best in sandy conditions. Or if you have very hard, dense clay, maybe it's so tough that it even cracks up in the in the dry part of the year well you can plant uh certain plants that do well in those conditions and maybe yeah maybe they go dormant during those times most likely they do unless you're talking about a tree or uh but they're well adapted so they don't need to require irrigation or or whatever to keep it going Aside from soil fertility there's tons of other factors actually I did I didn't mention pH as well so there's even just in soil, there's tons of factors that go into what's the right plant. And again, this gets very technical very fast sometimes, but it's, it's good things mainly to keep in mind as you're going. Aside from soil, we can also look at other considerations. What are the right amounts of sun you're getting for your plant? What's the right solar aspect is another way to, to phrase that. So maybe your, your plant prefers morning sunshine, but not middle of the summer heat with the sunshine. So putting the right conditions in place for your plant already uh, makes sure that the plant will thrive. Moving on to more discussion about healthy soil. Healthy soil is, a again, a, a whole chapter in a, it itself. But what I'm talking about here is soil life. So there's a huge difference between dirt and soil. Dirt is the chemical chemical makeup of your soil, what determines its pH, what determines its clumping size, uh, what particles are made up of it, that sort of thing. So you can have clays, you can have sands, you can have loam, which is kind of a, a mixture of middle particle sizes. And then you can go into what type of bedrock supports your soil so that generally determines your pH and what minerals are present. So there's a lot that goes into the chemical makeup of your soil but that forms a basis to the health of your soil itself. So just all those chemical pieces you're talking about the dirt piece. So if you think of dirt you're looking at uh, an empty field that's uh, in poor condition And in the summer, you know, you get those ugly, cracked-up appearance of it, uh, your mud, right? But when you have a really good, healthy soil, take a step into the forest, and you you scrape up some leaves, and you get that rich smell. That's what good, healthy soil is, is it's full of life. So this is bacteria, fungi, uh, or fungi, whichever you prefer to say, and 
all sorts of microorganisms from nematodes to crustaceans. Those are fundamental parts of a good, healthy soil ecosystem that supports plant life. I love talking about good, healthy soil, so I'm going to try and limit myself here. But just think of it this way. As an example, fungus for soil health is really, really important. Fungi can form these expansive fungal networks that reach very broadly and communicate to each other through chemical transport. And they connect with plant roots in a healthy soil ecosystem to expand the root network by multiple times what the physical plant structure can reach. And so it can reach all these different nutrients to help support the plant growth, as well as to transport water from all these little micro soil particles throughout your garden space. And so just by having fungi present, you greatly enhance the reach of the roots of your plants and the adaptability to different conditions and and access to nutrients. So this stuff is crucially important to the health of your plants. So healthy soil is not only the chemical makeup that most often we think about, but also does it support the right microorganism life to help boost the health of our plants. This all kind of leads into having the right plant in the right place. So I kind of touched upon this with healthy plants when we were talking about, does it have the right conditions? Uh, Does it have enough sun and enough water at the right time of the year? Well, you can also, when you're planting your garden, make sure you select the right plants for the conditions that are present in your garden. So this is more of a planning piece as opposed to a reactive piece if you already have established plants. But when you're planning out your garden or you're planning to spruce up your garden or expand it uh, in your yard, make sure you have the right plant that's adapted to the conditions. So if you have, take for example, our, our front house faces south and we have a bank that slips away from our house. So in the middle of the summer, the front of our house just gets just pounded with hot summer sunlight. And the plants that we put there, they have to be able to withstand that heavy sun exposure during the summer. But on the flip side, there's a benefit to that where during the winter, it actually absorbs a lot of heat from the winter sun and boosts the soil temperature right below it higher than, say, our backyard that doesn't get any sun during the winter. So having the right plants to go in that situation will help those plants thrive and help your landscape more look more beautiful because those plants are in the right spot with the right condition to feel healthy and you don't have to sit there and tend after your plants. Now, when you're thinking about the right plants in the right place, you can also consider the, the plants that are best adapted to your local climate. So not only the specific conditions of your garden, but also the regional climate you're talking about. Um, a lot of times, most people think of natives. I love good native plants as long as they're aesthetically pleasing to go in your garden. If you plant something that doesn't look great, you're not going to like your garden, right? So we're talking about plants that look beautiful, but maybe they're also native plants. So one of my favorites for our uh, area in Ohio 
is echinacea. It's quickly becoming a popular landscape plant as well. So this is a a native prairie plant actually that's grown natively across much of the eastern and middle U.S. states. And echinacea has these beautiful deep pink purple blooms throughout the latter half of the summer all the way into early fall. And it's just this wonderful pop of color. They're very uh, well adapted to clay soils and they can tolerate a good amount of heat. And so they just do well even with being left alone and you don't have to sit there and tend to them like you would say to a a rose or um, some of your annual plants that you might want to put in that space. But aside from natives, you can also consider uh, well-adapted exotic plants. And this can be a difficult space because there are a lot of plants in the horticulture space uh, that you might find in your nursery that can be invasives. We don't want to be putting in plants that are going to spread to roadsides and, and all over through uh, native ecosystems because we can we can really be damaging a lot of our regional uh, space. But if you're talking about well-adapted exotic plants, um, these might not you know spread expansively or whatever, and they might provide a lot of beauty to our space. So going along the line of having the right plant in the right place, we also can think of the type of plant. So is this an annual plant or a perennial plant? And I'm kind of picking favorites here. And by kind of, I mean a lot. I, I really prefer perennial plants. Perennial plants are plants that come back year after year after year. And so when you're thinking about low maintenance, saving time in your yard, of course you would want something that comes back year after year. So the real trick is picking the plants that are beautiful, give you the right amount of color and texture in your yard and landscape, and select those perennials that give you what you want. The reason annuals have kind of become a huge favorite over the past probably 200 years is because some annuals, they are just beautiful. So think of like a a zinnia that that just gives you a giant pop of color or, or, you know, whatever your favorite flower is, odds are it could be an annual plant because annuals just can provide such vibrant beauty, but unfortunately it doesn't last. So after it blooms, the, the plant generally dies, goes to seed, and starts its life cycle over by reseeding. Now, with that said, if you have self-seeding annuals, so if the seeds take readily and can grow back the next year without much work, those are the kind of annuals that I love because you can still get that pop of beauty that you generally want with an annual and it'll kind of take care of itself by dropping its own seeds in the same place or nearby and coming back the next year without you having to sit there and cultivate it or plant a new plant each year or go to the nursery and buy flats of, of annuals and it'll just kind of take care of itself. Those are the kind of annuals that I like. But perennials, they're generally speaking, you plant it once and you'll get several years of beauty out of it. Now there's a lot of short-lived perennials where, or perennials that kind of, kind of slowly regress if you don't divide them occasionally and that sort of thing. But again, if you're talking about having to divide one plant every three years, let's say, 
versus replant every single year for three years. I'll choose the first one where I can have a perennial. It establishes itself. It grows well. And then maybe some fall or winter or whatever, I go back and I pull part of that plant away to let the the remaining piece grow back with more vigor. And I can even spread the the other piece to a new area if I want to to get more beauty. So that's kind of why I like perennials is they're generally speaking a lot less work given that you've provided them with all the conditions already that we've talked about. Now, when it comes to plants, generally speaking as well, most plants don't grow well as isolated specimens. So what I'm talking about here is if you think about like you go downtown, whatever city you want to talk about, right? You're you're walking down the street, you see these trees lining the street. A lot of times they're in this about three foot by three foot square of concrete that's been removed to allow the space of one isolated tree to grow so you can have a little bit of nature in your city but not too much, right? So that's an isolated planting. Now you step over into a suburb yard, you kind of see the same thing, an expansive lawn kind of punctuated here and there with a tree, a specimen tree here or there or wherever, and they're kind of randomly spaced. Well, most of those plants, they can grow like that, but they generally do better in groupings, and it also helps with your maintenance to put them in groups as well. So specifically what I'm talking about here by reducing your maintenance by grouping is if you have garden areas, kind of general garden areas throughout your lawn and reduce the amount of spaces you have to mow around, it will help your maintenance overall. You can batch one type of work, so garden maintenance, into a specific area and you can batch other types of work such as mowing into other areas. Specifically what I'm thinking about here is Picture the yard where there's, say, the front yard has three to five individual trees spaced throughout the yard. They provide beautiful shade. You have a nice lawn underneath. It's nice for sitting and relaxing or kind of playing ball or whatever. But when you go to mow that yard, you kind of have to zigzag around the different trees. And that takes a lot of time and effort just to adjust to where the trees are. Instead, if you had those trees surrounded by a garden area... You can mow around the one garden instead of having to mow around the three to five trees instead. And that allows your garden to kind of be the space for the trees and to also architecturally help the planting by providing various uh, heights of plantings as well. So you might have a few shrubs in this garden space along with your three landscape trees and, and then various lower growing herbaceous plants underneath it and so you get varied texture throughout the year as well as varied color most likely and you get a beautiful space with a beautiful garden so group plantings really help aesthetically from the visual pleasant experience of your garden space they help from a maintenance standpoint by reducing the amount of variation within specifically the mowing piece by having to mow around 
various pieces of your landscape instead of just mowing a specific block of space. And they also help with the health of your plants, generally speaking. So because plants are best adapted to growing near other plants, generally speaking, they actually prefer that because they've evolved that way. Now, we've already gone through several tips, and at this point, we've actually spent a good chunk of time. So what I'm doing here is I'm batching this low-maintenance plants and low-maintenance yard topic into two episodes. So today what we've covered is, very importantly, the mindset that your life is more important than your yard. And having that right mindset really predicates whether or not you have a low-maintenance yard. Because without the intent there to have a low-maintenance yard and putting priorities on your life, you're not going to have a low-maintenance yard because it's not at the forefront of your priorities when you're designing your landscape or maintaining your landscape. Having healthy plants, so providing the space for the plant that is it is best adapted to, helps create a healthy plant without extensive inputs on your part. Having healthy soil as well, provides the right environment for most plants to thrive by having the right amount of soil life as well as chemical makeup of your soil to provide the right foundation for your plants. Having the right plant in the right place, so giving the right conditions, knowing those conditions of your garden, and then selecting the right plants that are best adapted to that as well as selecting the plants that are most aesthetically pleasing to you. Having grouped plantings versus isolated plantings really reduces your maintenance schedule and well, as well as boosting the health of your plants, generally speaking. And in between there, also having perennial plants versus annuals or self-seeding annuals. But generally speaking, the plants that come back year after year without you having to require tons of inputs. So next episode, we're going to be jumping into um, what are some of the low resource plants what makes a low resource plant uh designing full coverage into your garden reducing lawn maintenance and developing good transitions for your landscape so we'll get into those later pieces in the next episode and really kind of provide you a holistic picture of a lot of the elements that go into making a low maintenance yard So before we wrap up, I just want to remind you that if you're interested in saving time now without having to make any significant changes to your yard itself, just by making simple habit changes, I have put together a free resource for you already that you can go get at aestheticecosystems.com slash 27hours, 27hrs, and that will give you three specific ways you can save 27 hours this season on your landscape. Make sure you go over to uh, hit subscribe in whatever you're listening on here and to get updates on future episodes. 
Okay, now it's time to talk about the launch party, guys. Uh, excuse me, not party, but party. Uh, the launch party is for the first two months of the show from March 11th through May 11th, 2018. I want to have some fun uh, to help spread a wor- spread the word about the show. Uh, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in this show, and I want to get you guys involved and have some fun while we're doing it. So this is a chance to have some fun to uh, for us to get connected, uh, to win some prizes, and uh, let's talk about the prizes before we talk about what we're doing. So what are the prizes? Weekly, I'm offering a free consultation with me, Ben Hale, which is normally a $99 value. So uh, one person each week uh, that gets involved in the launch party uh, gets a free consultation. I'm also giving away a free offer for one of my eBooks, 10 Ways to Get More Beauty with Less Work, which is a $19 value. Uh, Next, the grand prize. There is only one of these we're giving away through this whole launch party. So at the end of the launch party, the Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. So Paul Tukey himself has offered to give away one free book to a lucky winner uh, that's getting involved in this launch party. Uh, and this book is all about how to manage a healthy lawn from anything from a golf course style lawn to your uh, low maintenance lawn, which of course is something I prefer here on this show, right? I own this book. I've read this book multiple times. I've given it away. It's a kind of a, a tattered and worn version that I have. Um, and uh, I, I, I use some of these practices in my own lawn. So I, I love this book and I highly um, promote it as well. And you'll hear me talk about it throughout the show. Um, but Paul Tukey has been kind enough to offer a copy of his book as a grand prize. And there's also a special surprise for everybody that's uh, going to be getting involved in the launch party. The Rolling River Nursery out of California has offered a, a special surprise for everybody that's involved. The Rolling River Nursery is a, a USDA certified organic nursery. So I went online and I looked around for nurseries that have online availability shipped through the continental U.S. and have some great offerings. And Rolling River Nursery has been kind enough to become involved with our launch party. And they're not only are they online availability, but they also are certified organic, which means they don't use any harmful herbicides or pesticides that you have to be concerned with your family about. And so what you're getting is a safe and healthy plant. They also offer a ton of edible plants and trees and shrubs, cacti and succulents. So um, they offer several trees and shrubs that are adaptable throughout the most of the United States. So definitely worth checking them out. And in addition, these guys are also involved with a, uh, a nonprofit in Southern California to help local food movements called plantingjustice.org. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go to rollingrivernursery.com. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Paul Tukey's website, uh, for his organic lawn care manual and his other works is paultukey.com, P-A-U-L-T-U-K-E-Y. And uh, to sum up, guys, okay, you want to learn how to get involved with this uh, launch party? Go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pod launch. And that's P-O-D-L-A-U-N-C-H. There's a link in the show notes. Um, and that's that's going to give you all the instructions on how to get involved. Uh, there's two ways specifically to get involved. One is through uh, sharing with your uh, peeps on Facebook. And the other is through leaving a review on iTunes. Both of these are going to help spread the word about the show and get other people, other friends listening to it as well. And I sure appreciate your help here. And and likewise, uh, this is going to be a fun time. So, uh, so go on over and to Aesthetic ecosystems.com slash pod launch to get involved so thanks for tuning in and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today